Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. All right, everybody. Welcome to Revolution. Glad you could make it out. Got a couple new faces here. That's nice. Um, oh, lots of good stuff happening. If you're listening online, uh, you probably know that. Um, Caleb is killing it online. He's my, like, accountability partner to keep me... Bugs me every day, and I love it. Um, I guess I'd like to start out with that. I would like to be able to raise enough money, and I don't talk about raising money a lot, but I'd love to raise enough money to help Caleb be part of the staff. I'd like to have him, and, you know, he's working a couple different jobs and doesn't have a car right now, and uh, he's one of the reasons we're doing so much online. So thank you, Caleb, and and thank you to whoever rich donor is listening right now. <laughs> thank you ahead of time, patron, whoever, whatever patron is out there ready to write the million dollar check. Um, so it is really tough to. Um, preach every week when you're going through a huge theological shift, and I am going through a huge theological shift right now, Um, and and we'll get into that more as we study more of of that stuff. Today's not really about that theological shift. Today we're going to get more back into the basics of faith and what we're doing and what we should be doing. Um, the church is failing, including ours. What? And what I mean by that is basically children being in cages, children being forced to take care of one another, at the border, not having enough diapers and medication, kids sitting in cars and buses for 36 hours is unacceptable. Um, I mean, literally kids in concentration camps. What the, you know, WTF, folks. Really. Um... And the problem we have is we're all scapegoating one another for this. You know, I've gotten back on Twitter because I'm trying to do more on social media. And I read a lot about Twitter and I see a lot of my social justice friends. And we blame Trump. But in a way for me that's scapegoating. Because there's a lot we can do. I think someone um, like Shane Claiborne did something interesting as he reached out to Franklin Graham and said, you know, you guys do all this stuff for kids overseas and put these care boxes together. Why don't we work together and do something for these kids and these families at the borders? Um, I even reached out to my father and was, you know, because we don't have the budget to 
you know, I don't know what to do. We don't, you know, we don't have the budget to fly out there and get stuff together and do all that. So I said, you know, Dad, what do we do, you know? And he didn't have a whole lot of answers, but he said the church can help, but there's so many people coming through because he's got that mindset, the, you know, the conservative mindset that justifies, oh, well, there's just thousands of people coming through the borders, and so we just don't have enough, you know, resources. But it's like, yeah, we do. I mean, look at all we've done overseas. I mean, um, but this thing is, to me, is, is this should bring people together. Not just on Twitter, because Twitter, it's just like, Twitter is not enough. Instagram is not enough. Putting pictures up is not enough. You know, digital, uh, what is it? What do they call it? Digital, uh, what is it? I can't remember the word I'm looking for. But, um... But protesting digitally does not do enough. We need feet on ground. You know, we need to get, we need to be contacting companies that have diapers and medication, and we need to be getting trucks out there to help these children. Now, it is what I've heard getting a little better, but the fact is, is this should be bringing all people together. You know, this should not just have us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and things like that, but we should be marching on the streets. I mean, we march on the streets for a lot of things. But for some reason, this is somehow not our problem, and if we just make a little say something about it, then we can let it go. You know? And right now seven of us in this room marching down the street probably wouldn't make a huge impact. But if we worked with maybe the UCC, maybe went to John Piper's church, got some of those folks, and (laughs) what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, all the faiths together, this should be something that's interfaith. Not just dialogue, but interfaith outrage. But not just for the interfaith, but the nons as well. The non, you know, that's what a lot of people are calling themselves now are nons. You know, like saying, you know, we don't want anything to do with faith. We don't want anything to do with progressive faith. We don't want to, you know, stop talking to us about it. But they're passionate about people. Humanists, passionate about people. Atheists. Why are atheists so angry at Christianity because they feel like, or especially Christianity, but other faiths, because they feel like it hurts people. They want to help people. The one thing we can agree on is let's not let people hurt. And I think the one thing we all can really agree on is let's not let children suffer or be tortured. Now, this is happening all over the world. It's just not in America. This is happening to individual children all over the country because of poverty and things like that. These are issues that need to be looked at. You know, this is beyond theology. This is beyond faith. You know, 
this is, uh, but right now, because I'm a pastor and you're, we're in church, we're going to talk about it from a faith standpoint. So, this is in front of our faces. This is a humanitarian crisis. What do we do? WTF. Um, it's so funny, I'm writing, I'm not using curse words now because usually we have kids in service. <laughs> <laughs> and the parents always say, thank you. Because <laughs> um, I cuss like a sailor sometimes, I'm not going to lie. Um, but, in the, uh, and the ironic thing is conservatives are good at working with the poor. One of the churches that Revolution started out was Phoenix First Assembly as Assemblies of God. Anybody familiar with the Assemblies of God in here? Um, <laughs> I grew up Assemblies of God and had to get saved every week because um, <laughs> you could lose your salvation. It was like trying to grasp on the sand um, for really dumb things. Uh, they were very horrible and, and really hurt me and and mentally bruised me in a lot of ways. But one of the things they were really good at was outreach, especially Phoenix First Assembly. They were good at outreach with people and reaching people who needed and had needs. And they were great at it, you know. And that's why I liked when Shane reached out to someone like Franklin Graham, who we all probably can't stand, but was like, hey, I'll work with you. I'll cross the line. You know, um, there's no, you know, there's neither male nor female nor Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free nor Republican nor Democrat nor liberal nor conservative. We're all one. Right? Now imagine the impact of just working together just to help other people, the relationships that we would build through that, the conversations that would come out of that, the friendships that would come out of that, the unity. You know, you might end up having coffee with someone after that and sitting down and talking and saying, this is where we differ. Why? Just like most of us are Christians because we were raised in the United States, some people are conservatives because they were raised in a certain area and in a certain way because they have different life experiences than ours. So we share our experience, strength, and hope. I learned that in an anonymous group that I attend every now and then. Um, (laughs) For alcoholics, but I won't tell you what it's called. Um, now the motive sometimes for some people who work with the poor is because they want to have their treasures up in heaven and things like that Um, but I think ultimately what we don't want is we just don't want to see people suffer and we really don't want to see children suffer and I just feel powerless man I feel wrecked over this because I have two little ones I have a three year old who's about to be four, and a two-year-old. 
and I, they love each other, but I couldn't imagine making them take care of each other and, and having them pulled away from me. That would be a nightmare. I have 50-50 custody with my wife, you know, and it's like, and she's a great mother. So I don't have to worry when those, I'm actually more worried when they're with me (laughs) than when they are with her. She's great, mom. Um, But it would be a nightmare. It would be my worst fear. I couldn't cope. And for some reason we think because people are the other, because they come from a different country, that somehow their suffering is different than ours. It's not. It's suffering. And if Christians are called to anything, is it called to help people end suffering or at least share in their suffering and to help carry one another's burdens? This is the basic Christianity 101. And we're failing at it. You know? There's reasons why I don't go on Twitter and tweet about this stuff. It's because, you know what? That's not changing things for me. It's actually just making me sadder and making me angry to just be like, talk is cheap sometimes. And I'm a speaker, you know? I mean, I'm a motivator. I try to motivate people to do things. Um, But it's really tough being powerless and seeing little children suffer. We just have no excuses. And it would be great to just say, oh, this is all Donald Trump's fault. But, you know... um, Yeah, I mean, Obama wasn't much, I mean, he wasn't separating parents from kids, but he wasn't much better at, at how he treated the other as far as, 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 as uh, people at the border. You know, he had probably more people, what is it when they take you out of the country? He had probably, you know, he had people deported. They called him the great deporter or something like that. Like he was, his, 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 he didn't have a very good record on that. We're looking for saviors in these people, and these presidents, and these elect. You know, we think somehow the politicians, and we all know politicians are screwed up, <laughs> and somehow we think. But then all of a sudden, we're like, it's like we have like this dialectic mind that thinks, but, but they'll solve it. We'll find the right savior to solve it. When it's us, it's like saying, well, God will take care of it. My parents, when I was raised, had an idea that somehow God was going to magically take care of my education. (laughs) I dropped out, got my GED, never went to college, decided to become a pastor, and now most of my friends have doctorates that I hang out with. I don't have a doctorate because my parents thought God was going to magically take care of things. And it's this magical thinking. Um, I've been reading a lot of Caputo and Caputo says the good news is shock 
And the shock is this. God dare not be God takes the extreme risk, and nothing could be more extreme than leaving beings and existence in our hands. Basically saying, I'll read this word, the burden of existence is on our shoulders where everything that is done in and under the name of God takes place. Saying, we are the hands of God. When people see God, they see that's what we do. We are the kingdom of God. God is not magically coming down here and doing something. It's up to us. That's why radical theology is important to me. If it's saying, God, free me, God, free me of God, you know, is saying, let me get out of this magical thinking. This supernatural thinking that's going to be like, you know. Part of that, I mean, going through my divorce, part of that magical thinking that I had growing up, you know, that I thought I'd let go of, I kept expecting God to show up in the middle of my divorce, you know. Uh, but you know what helped me mostly was my therapy and the really good friends. It was, other, it was the others. It was other people. You know, so we've got to realize that. It's up to us. May God free me of God. Who was it that said that? Ek, ek, no, it was Ek, Eckhart Tolle who said that. That was his prayer. He was a mystic. And now, now this type of situation makes me kind of feel understand what he meant. I've always under, 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 really been like, what does God free me of God mean, you know? And, um, you know, theologically, and let me read about it, you know what I mean? But then when the rubber hits the road, it's going like, oh, you know, this kind of supernatural thinking that we all think is going to just happen. What did Jesus say? Um, just a few simple notes of what Jesus said about children. Jesus said to his disciples... Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you to have a millstone where you hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. Um... And it talks about forgiveness and about forgiving people who make mistakes and stuff. But he's saying, I mean, Jesus was usually a pretty graceful dude, a human being. But he seemed to not have a lot of grace for people who caused children to suffer. Now, children in, in, 
in, in his time, in context, had no worth. Okay, they, they were seen to have no worth at all. You know, no status. And status was very important. Um, and often his disciples would be like, ah, get these kids out of here. You know, whatever. You know, and he'd be like, no, 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 no. You know, bring, bring the children to me. You know, um, when I was a kid, this is the bizarre part of growing up as a, uh, with a parent who's uh, <laughs> a televangelist. They had a painting made of Jesus with the little children, and two of the little children were me and my sister painted into the picture. Is that not bizarre? I mean, so bizarre. They st- he still has those pictures. I think he still sometimes has them reprinted and sends them out. And two of the little kids is me and my sister with Jesus. I have, so I have a picture with Jesus if you'd like to see it. You know. I also have one with Johnny Cash, but that's actually real. Um, I should have that up there. Johnny Cash, me and Jesus. Um, but Jesus was very clear. I mean, it better have a millstone tied around your neck. You know, it's better to drown. It's better a person to drown than cause children suffering. How we treat the other is awful in every situation. What I think we should do is I think we, you know, what little things that we can do just in our everyday life is when we start to see ourselves treating people as the other, think of these children. Find an organization that's working to help these kids and make a donation. If you have the funds, get on an airplane, go out there and get some trucks and diapers and go do your thing. I mean, right now, if I had the funds, that's what I would be doing. If this church was a multi-million dollar church, we would be bringing trucks of provisions to these places and just dropping them off at the front door and going, here you go. Can we come in? Can we visit with children? Because often as pastors, you're allowed to go visit people in prisons and in detention centers um, whenever you like. I mean, these kids are been sitting in their own filth. They're like saying like three and four year olds are taking care of infants. This is happening right now. Could you imagine? I can imagine my kid locked in a freaking van for thirty six hours. I mean, who's running this? The post office? 
<laughs> I mean, it's like we have huge issues, you know, and and one of the things that we put so much hope in the government and like, well, if we have a liberal government and more socialist government, then we'll make sure that we take care of each other. Um, and I remember I was working at this church that was more conservative, and they're like, well, I won't want to pay as much taxes. And I'm like, well, what about social justice issues? And they're like, and that's left up to the church. You know, the church should do that. In a way, I agree that the church should do more. We should have more social justice in the government. But we should also be willing to step up when others aren't. Like, really put our feet to the ground. We're just not financially at a place where we can do that. So I have to get up here and talk about it. And to be honest with you, it feels a bit hypocr- like a hypocrite. Because I'm like, man, I just I want to get in my car. and I'm doing what everybody else is doing. I'm justifying it. Well, I've got the kids next week, and I've got this happening, and I've got this, and I've got so many issues in life. And you know, someone else will do it. Someone else will take care of it. It's like when you see someone with a flat tire on the side of the street. And you just drive by. Yeah, somebody else will take care of that. Or you see the person with the sign at the end of the street, and you're like, don't make eye contact. You know, they're always there. They probably have a cell phone. You know what I mean? You just, we just justify. We just justify ignoring the other, the suffering. You know, but then we get angry if we see somebody, like, wearing Make America Great Again hat. Screw that. You know? We should be angry about this. But we need to figure out positive ways to do it. And that's why I'm going to go back to Shane Claiborne again and think he actually reached out, he contacted Samaritan's Purse, called them, talked with them, and tried to make something happen. I reached out to my dad, called him, trying to make something happen. We need each other. And we need to remind each other sometimes what is Christ. And I, what I said to my dad, you don't know what I said to my dad? I said, Dad, I said, I think we should, you, you should do this. And I said, I will work with you. I will get my church to work with you. I said, not only do I think it is Christ, but I also think it would really help you with, you, you know, your, your critics. And I looked at it from, you know, both ways. I'm like, you know, maybe people back off a little bit as well, you know, I'm just trying to come that one way or the other to say, we've got to do something, like, I'm willing to work with you, I get attacked by people all the time because of my dad, right now I've got this little thing on Facebook where where I've got this guy who's like, you should speak out against your dad, and you need to do this, and what he's saying is crazy, and blah, 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 and I'm like, Maybe not speaking out against him is what I need to do. Maybe reaching out to him and saying, what can we do to help other people? What can we do to work together? What can we do to work across this aisle or this theology or this stuff and put it aside and realize what's important and that people are important? You know, this is, you know, this is just the ultimate. This is just children. I mean, everybody's important. But these are little kids, man. Yeah. On uh, Tuesday the 2nd, immigrant rights groups across the country 
On what is that? That's Tuesday, July 2nd. July 2nd We should go, or we should put this up on I'll put this on Facebook and on our Twitter and our Instagram. You know, let's go march with these folks. Then it's happening. Amen. And that's a good place to start. I don't know what change it'll bring, but it's a good place to start, and it might be a good place to meet with other people who are thinking proactively to stop suffering. We're failing, man. We're failing as the church. We're failing as the body of Christ, and we're failing as the kingdom of God. Um, one of the things that Caputo said was he says, love always requires taking a risk. Love is exposed to rejection, neglect, and abuse. He goes on to say, even for God. But I'm going to take out the even for God part right now and just be like, loving others is tough. Co-parenting is tough. Because you're in a situation where you said, we don't work out anymore. We don't get along anymore. But we've got these two little ones, and we're going to have to work together to take care of these two little ones. Despite all of our differences, despite all of the hurt that we've caused one another, we have to put that aside and learn to work together to make sure these two have a good life. So basically, what I'm thinking and what I'm asking is, can we co-parent the other. I mean, the same thing as I had somebody contact me who is conservative, actually a gay conservative man, reach out to me and tell me that my marriage probably fell apart because I was liberal and that I needed to stop being plain to all these liberals and all this stuff. And I said, you know, it's not about liberal or conservative to me. Matter of fact, I want to try to get everybody at the same table because I think that's what the gospel calls us to do. You know, I said, but also don't ever assume that you know anything about my marriage, period. You know, I just was like laying the groundwork for that because I'm like, you know, trust me, it didn't have anything to do with politics. Um, But we compromise, Paul says love never demands its own way. You know, it's not irritable, you know. The narrow road, taking up your cross, dying to your flesh. This is all stuff so you can love other people. Love, when, remember when they, the, Jesus is saying, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the lawyer wants to justify it. So he's like, who's my neighbor, you know? And then Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan, which we talked about a couple weeks ago. Well, the Samaritan was this man's enemy. And so when Jesus tells the story, Jesus goes, okay, who's, who, who did the right thing here? And the guy goes, well, the man who helped. He won't even say the name Samaritan because he didn't like Samaritans. So he was the man that helped. But Jesus was saying clearly, your enemy is your neighbor. 
There's no, you know, the other is her neighbor. That's where Christianity gets cool. That's where it becomes a real faith to me is when it's challenging me to love others. Otherwise, we're just like, it's spiritual masturbation. You know, we're all just pleasing each other, right? Just pleasing ourselves. Oh, aren't we good liberal Christians? And, you know, oh, we're affirming. Oh, we're done this, you know, done that, you know. In, in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. also says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I mean, what is a peacemaker except someone who takes two opposite groups and brings them together and creates peace? That's what a peacemaker does. Jimmy Carter. You know, keep calling him in. <laughs> Can you go meet with these guys? Because they really hate each other, you know. And All right, well, we'll call Jimmy Carter in, you know. But the thing is, is like peace agreements, you know. They have a peace agreement in Ireland, you know. That's how they stopped the troubles. I've gone to Belfast, Ireland a lot. And, you know, they had civil war for a long time in Ireland. Um between the Protestants and the Catholics, and they were blowing each other up, killing each other, kneecapping one another, burning down buildings, putting each other in prisons. It was a horrible situation, and then they have the peace talks, and they had a peace agreement. And uh, I've been able to go and see the evolution of that because of my friend Pete Rollins has had me out to Belfast a few times and um, seen a community of beautiful people coming together, and there's still parts of it that you can still see all the troubles and the walls and all this stuff and the wall that they had built in Belfast alone to separate the Catholics and the Protestants from each other now it's called the Peace Wall um, but man beautiful people lovely people they've been through hell and back but you can tell but you can see the other side of it so peace is possible getting rid of apartheid happened but not because one side won and then got rid of the other side. Nelson Mandela kept, kept part of the people from that regime on his staff because he said, we're going to have to work together to make this thing solved. So I'm calling for radical inclusion. When I called for radical inclusion for LGBTQ folks 15 years ago, it cost me everything. You know, now I'm just going to try to call for, maybe this will cost me too for my liberal friends, but now I'm calling radical inclusion for our conservative friends. Are all people truly welcome here? Because we can fight about shit all day long. 
but two little kids taking care of each other, standing in their own waist for days, dying, because I don't remember how many kids at this point have died, but there's been quite a few that have died. You know, what are they, you know, what, what are they doing if children are dying? And that's only the ones we've been told about. Right. And if we've been told that, how many more kids have died? And they have It's an atrocity. You know, I wanted to talk more about radical theology and all that stuff this week, but I just can't do it because I just can't. I, I keep trying to talk about working together, and this is going to be the hardest thing any of us have ever done. Because you know what? Some of these people have caused so much misery and so much pain and so much even death to my LGBTQ brothers and sisters, it kills me to sit down with them. I've sat down with pastors where, in a family where the, the, the kid, their child had hung themselves because of this big church was so anti-gay. And I said, you know, this kid hung himself under your watch to this pastor, and this pastor, well, they didn't leave a suicide note, so we really don't know what happened. And I go, yeah, you know, whatever helped you sleep at night, man. But the fact is, is this is the fruit of what you're doing. So I know that what my enemy is capable of. But I also know the good that my enemy is capable of. And I know that we're bringing LGBTQ and all the other new letters together with our army of peacemakers. And that we'll be saying, we're going to work hand-to-hand with you to stop this. Let's put our differences aside. We're going to take the narrow road. We're going to pick up our cross. We're going to do what it takes. If there's a church out there or someone listening right now who can support this and you want us to do it and you want to financially flip the bill... Let me know. We'll do it. Or we'll go with your church. And it's funny what happens when you just sit down with someone and when you just know somebody. The effect that it can have when you humanize the other. Jesus also said in Matthew nineteen thirteen, the little children were being brought to him in order that he might lay hands on them and pray for them. Disciples spoke sternly to those who brought them, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not stop them, for it is such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. And he laid hands on them and went away. Now, I think that's actually probably not the accurate. The kingdom of heaven is not this place in the sky. It's not 
golden gates. It's the kingdom of God is here on earth as it is in heaven. The spiritual realms, as some of if Paul would put it sometimes, is we're in spiritual realms together. There's a reason why Jesus and Paul push grace so much and forgiveness so much and restoration so much. You know, restore one another, forgive one another, make room for each other's mistakes. Be careful of biting, devouring one another because you could destroy one another. Because if we're busy just destroying each other while little children are suffering all over the planet, then we're missing the point. I hope we can take the next step. I'll continue to reach out to different folks. I'll continue to push my dad a little bit more and see what we can do. Um, But just in the micro this week for you here and listening online, maybe just try to treat the other a little bit kinder this week. You know? Maybe try to just reason with one another. People are like, you should tell that person to go, you know, F off what they're telling you to do with your parents and stuff like that, you know, and all that. Just come back back to personal experience. But what I try to do is I try to explain the mission and the purpose. You know, that's why I'm like, I want to see everybody come together and talk. Yeah, I might be more liberal, but I'm just saying we should sit down and talk together and work together. Because it's this, this, there's always going to be something else, you know. I mean, the fact is, is we might not have a planet to live on in 50 years, you know. But there's always going to be a cause, and it's always going to be overwhelming, and that's what love is. That's what love is calling us to do. That's what God is calling us to do, is saying, be God to the other. Who do I love when I love my God? I love the other. And that's what we're called to do. Usually I would end with a very cynical good luck with that, but I'm going to end it today with, let's really freaking try to do this. Let's really try something. You know? I feel so powerless I can't stand it. And it just crushes me inside. Because all of this and all of this is nonsense right now to me, thinking of these kids. I'm going to, I haven't prayed in a while, but I'm going to pray. Lord, I just ask you to give us the capability and the strength to work together to end the strife and the disunity that we may focus on what's important 
and help us to love one another and help us to see these children as human beings. And you know what? I'm going to ask for a freaking miracle because we want this suffering to stop. Help us to be the feet that we need to be. Amen. Um, if you want to support Revolution, uh, you can do that. We have a thing at the end that tells you how to do that. Um, but today I'm just going to say it anyway. You can go to our Facebook or you can go to our Twitter and help. Um, our Twitter. You can't go to our Twitter and help. You can go to our Facebook or you can go to revolutionchurch.com and help. Um, thanks so much for listening. This is Revolution Church. To make your 100% tax-deductible donation today, please visit revolutionchurch.com slash donate. You can also learn more by clicking the donate section on the website. That was a post-Christian podcast. Mm-hmm.